Hello and welcome to LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. I'm your host, Rebecca, and today I'm here with ANAC Curriculum Development Specialist, Jesse McGill, to discuss some new MDS items in 2020. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm glad I could join you today. I'm glad you're here too. Jesse, I understand that last fall in the fiscal year 2020 SNF PPS final rule, CMS finalized adding 59.5 items to the MDS effective October 1, 2020. Can you tell us more about why so many items will be added? Yeah, so CMS finalized the addition of the 59.5 items to collect social determinants of health standardized patient assessment data elements. So we, we have an acronym for that and they're called SPADES. And the collection of the SPADES or these data elements is a requirement of the IMPACT Act, which is part of the SNF quality reporting program. I understand that there are some little changes and some big changes. Can you start by telling us about some of the little changes? Absolutely, Rebecca. One of the smaller changes you'll see is that race and ethnicity, which are currently coded at A1000, will be replaced by two separate items. A1005, ethnicity, will ask the question, are you of Hispanic, Latino, Latina, or Spanish origin? and provides a greater detailed response if yes, including Mexican, Mexican-American, Chicano or Chicana, Puerto Rican, Cuban, or another Hispanic, Latino, or Spanish origin. And a new MDS item, A1010, will ask about the race and now provides 15 more detailed response options. Thanks, Jesse. Are there other examples of MDS items? to which CMS has added more detailed or specific response options? Yes. So another area where CMS really looked at the detailed response options or just added or updated are, if you look at A1800, which is where the resident entered from, which currently has nine response options, but as of October 1, 2020, we're going to see it relabeled as A1805 and increased to 13 options. And the discharge status, which is currently A2100, where we say we're the resident discharge to, currently has 10 response options. And this will increase to 14 different response options and change to item A2105 this fall. Can you give us an example of how these items will change? Yeah, so one example would be if a resident admitted to your SNF directly from an acute hospital. Currently, we would select option three, acute hospital. But coming this October, we're going to select option four, which will now indicate a short-term general hospital, which includes an acute hospital. Another distinction is that we currently only have one entry option for hospice, but the draft item set has two options hospice if it's provided at home or a non-institutional setting, or hospice that's included in an institutional facility. Are there any other changes you would consider small coming this October? The changes to the residence interview will include both big and small changes, so I'll tell you about the small changes first. The draft item set shows that facilities will be completing the BIMS interview, which is the brief interview of mental status, at the time of discharge. 
So we're already used to completing the BIMS with each MDS, uh, preferably the day before the date of the ARD. But now, as of this October, we're going to be completing the BIMS at the time of discharge also. The instructions on the draft item set state to complete the BIMS only if it is a planned over discharge, which includes both your return and your return not anticipated, or if the assessment is named an end of a Medicare Part A stay, so that's your PPS Part A discharge assessment. In addition to the BIMS, we will also be reviewing for signs and symptoms of delirium at the time of discharge. So to clarify, the process for completing the BIMS interview and assessing for signs and symptoms of delirium is the same as you do today, but the timing has changed and must also be completed at discharge? That's correct. From what we can see in the draft item set, which right now we do not have the REI user's manual for this fall, but from the draft item set, it does look like the process of completing the BIMS and assessing for delirium are the same. We're now just also going to repeat that interview and assessment of delirium at the time of discharge. So if that is the small change, what is the big change with resident interviews? One of the big changes came with the mood interview. Currently, this is referred to as a PHQ-9 or the patient health questionnaire, and it has nine questions. But coming this October, it will be referred to as a PHQ-2 to 9 interview. The first two mood item questions, which are little interest or pleasure in doing things and feeling down, depressed, or hopeless, will be asked first. If the resident reported having either of these symptoms seven or more days during the last 14 days, then the assessor will proceed to the remaining interview items. If not, the PHQ-9 interview is considered complete. And another change is that mood interview will also be repeated at the time of discharge. That's a big change. Will any of the other resident interviews change? Yes, there is actually a new question collecting information on pain interference that will be added this October. It asks, over the past five days, how often have you had to limit your participation in rehabilitation therapy sessions due to pain? There is also an additional response option that we do not currently use with the other pain interference questions. We will have the option to check that this question does not apply if the resident has not received rehabilitation therapy in the past five days. Another small change here, because we already collect this information on pain interference with the day-to-day -day activities, is that CMS clarified on that day-to-day -day activity pain interference question that that question will exclude therapy uh, rehabilitation sessions. So we have two interference questions, one just for therapy, one for all other activity, but excludes the therapy sessions that will be added this October. Thanks, Jesse. That does help clarify those changes. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Are you currently an experienced RACCT professional looking to take your reimbursement expertise to the next level? Then the RACCTA Advanced Certification may be just the program for you. Learn more by visiting www.anac.org forward slash education forward slash RAC CTA. Welcome back. Let's continue our chat with Jesse McGill about the MDS item set changes for 2020. Let's switch gears and talk about the big changes. What can we expect this October? 
There are several big changes. I think one of the biggest is to collect data for the transfer of health information SNF QRP measures, which will begin collecting data on discharge assessments starting this October. This is a process measure, which reports whether or not the process was completed. An easy comparison is to the drug regimen review MDS items, in which we code the process of whether or not the drug regimen review was completed. So the transfer of health information measure focuses on if we provided a reconciled medication list to the resident and to the provider at the time of discharge. And a follow-up question for each where we code the route or routes of how the information was provided. Is this a new process for nursing facilities? The process should not be new. However, the way we are currently documenting how and when this process is completed may be lacking, which is a big deal, since we must have that supporting documentation that documents the process in order to code the MDS for the transfer of health information. One of the challenges that this item brings is that we must have the director of nursing and the nurses who are actually completing the discharge medication reconciliation and discharge teaching to the resident and to the subsequent provider, we have to have that process well documented. So not just done, but documented. And this is a process that SNFs can start working on now, even before we have that final REI user's manual that will tell us the full steps for coding instructions and steps for assessment. Uh, facilities can really start working on just establishing a clear process and clear documentation of that medication reconciliation and the transfer of information to that resident and subsequent provider. That is a great tip. Thanks, Jesse. Listeners, you heard her. Let's get started on this process. All right, Jesse, what is another big change we can expect? As I mentioned earlier, one of the additions are to collect the data elements on the social determinants of health. So this October, we'll begin collecting data on items such as health literacy and transportation. Let's keep going. Tell us about some of the other changes. Another change that we're going to see coming this October is that CMS actually changed or added look-back periods for how the data is collected. For example, nutritional approach. These items will now collect data on admission, while not a resident, while a resident, and at discharge. However, mechanically altered diet will not be collected while not a resident. So you notice there, there was a couple of new items that we haven't collected on before at the time of admission and at the time of discharge, which is new to us where we have previously collected on while not and while a resident. For section O special treatments, procedures, and programs, we also have new columns coming this October where we will code for on admission, while resident, and at discharge. But we will no longer be coding while not a resident in section O. Now that's not where the changes end in section O. There's a lot of big changes in section O where many sub items were added, which really increases the detail of what we're going to document, but also means we have to have more specific documentation to support that more specific coding. So I'll give you just a few examples. So if you look at chemotherapy on the draft item set, typically we would just code chemotherapy and the rules are still the same. It has to be used to treat a cancer. But now we have these sub items where we will 
code if it is an IV chemotherapy, an oral chemotherapy, or other. For these newly added sub-items, we're only going to document if it was performed on a mission or at discharge. So on a mission is defined on the draft item set as within the first three days of the Medicare stay, so days one through three of the Medicare stay, and on discharge is the last three days of the Medicare stay. However, chemotherapy will still be assessed the way we normally do while a resident, which still has that 14-day look-back period. Now, when we get the final REI user's manual, we will have more specific information coding instructions for these items. Very interesting. Can you give us one more example of the added items in Section O? Yeah, another great example is IV medications. Again, the main category of IV medications will be assessed at admission, well, resident in the last 14 days and a discharge, but the new sub-items will only be assessed at the beginning and the end of the Medicare stay. And the new sub-items for IV medications include vasoactive medications, antibiotics, anticoagulants, and other. Thank you, Jesse. I think we have time to discuss one more change. Well, let's end with the change to medications in Section N. Coming this fall, we will code not only if these residents are taking the medication within the last seven days, but also if the indication for use is noted. Of course, we don't have the REI user's manual to know exactly what CMS is expecting for supporting documentation, but we do know that we will have to code if there's an indication of use in the medical record. In addition, there's two new pharmacological classifications of medications that will be added, that is antiplatelet and hypoglycemic medications. The draft item set has a note on it that says that hypoglycemic medications will include insulin. Now, in addition to coding these items on our typical MDSs, we will also be coding these items and assessing medication and indication of use at the time of discharge, which is noted to be completed on both the OBRA and the PPS discharge assessments. That is a lot of changes coming soon. Any helpful tips you would like to leave our listeners with? Oh, there are so many changes coming. And one thing I want our listeners to know, there's going to be a lot of training opportunities, many from CMS directly. And on their SNF QRP page, CMS has posted a SPADES training. This is a really great training, but within that training, it also provides a timeline that CMS has set up for future trainings. So we don't have all the dates and the details yet, but CMS is starting to provide some of those timelines and training opportunities. And in addition to what CMS is offering, keep tuned in to ANAC and the LTC Leader Newsletter. We'll continue to offer newsletters and articles, webinars, podcast tools to help you get ready for all these changes and to help cover the details as they come out to get you ready for the changes coming this fall. Thank you for providing your insights into these changes, Jesse. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. For more resources and tools on MDS changes, please visit our website at www.aanac.org.